So let us pray. We bow before you. Well, our heads are, are bowed now, bowed now. Because you are the one that we came to meet with in a very special way. You promise us that you are always with us at home, in your car, wherever we are, you are there. But then you remind us in the book of Hebrews that you want us to come together so that we can be connected not only to each other and know that the folks sitting next to us are part of our family because we are your children, but we are also here connected to you in a special way. Because you want us to hear a sermon. You want us to hear the proclamation of the Word of God. So here we are. I come and I ask, O oh Lord, that also then the words that I need to speak will not be from me, but will be from you. Um, that what we all hear will be led by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, it's, 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 it's so wonderful to be able to talk about something that you did, that you yourself did when you were here. And therefore, the coolest thing is to know that you understand us because you felt the heat of the sun. You felt the sweat on your brow, the dust of the earth clinging to you, the concern in your heart of the future and what's going to happen. So please, O oh Lord, work with us through your Spirit and do the work that only you can do. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I can remember when I was younger, I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. Hey, yay, yay. Freedom at last. I can go wherever I want, whenever I want, at the speed that fits my style. That's how I thought it would be. It didn't really work out that way, did it? You know, so um, soon in my life, I discovered I just couldn't go wherever I wanted because I still had parents that decided for me where I could go. I couldn't go at whatever time I could because I was still staying at home somewhat, and I had to at least you know, adhere to some of the house rules. And then the speed, that's a conversation we can have because uh, you realize you can't get into trouble. And the destinations I had in mind did not always come as quickly as I thought they should because you get stuck on the freeway for hours. You can't get anywhere because there was an accident or there's an obstacle and they close the road or there's a detour and all of these things happening. On Monday, we were sitting in the office and there was this little bit of an explosion. Maybe that's why we're having these issues. And one of the power cables broke that actually crosses our long waiting line intersection, the one out here. And the power cable was lying in the road, sparks. It was fantastic. It's like a sparkle, you know. And then the fire truck came and they blocked the whole road on that end. And I said to myself, poor people, they thought they were on their way to pick up their kids. They're not going to get anywhere because the road, the road was completely closed on Monday afternoon from our end, that end. It's a, bit, a little bit like life, isn't it? We all want, all want control of our life. I want to have control of everything in my life because then I feel okay. And then soon I discover, but it doesn't always work out the way that I would like it to work out. There are obstacles and detours and all kinds of things. Thought my finances was completely under control and then there's suddenly now inflation that is close to 7 or 8%. And I scratch my head and I say to Luis, you need to work another 10 years, you know, because you can't retire. I'm just kidding. 
I think my health is completely under control. I live a quite a healthy lifestyle. And then I go and see my doctor and he says to me, hmm, there's something I don't like. We need to do some tests. And suddenly I'm off track and there's a detour that takes me away from the destination that I thought I was heading. Oh, I think my relationship life is really cool. Everything is going well until I then discover at some point that somebody in our family made a stupid decision or something happened with this person and suddenly there's a detour or even a blockage and you get stuck and you can't really move on. That's not only true of our own personal lives, but in a time like this that we live in our country now, a lot of people are really upset because they thought we were going somewhere with who we are and now there are all these obstacles and detours and people are really sort of concerned. Where are we going to end up? Now, my topic for today is God is smarter than we are. Now, 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 you know, just look at, oh, no, I can't, that thing is so dead. Um, that is the cartwheel galaxy in 500 million light years away in the sculptor constellation. They found this thing a week or two ago. Isn't it amazing? God made that. But this statement is stupid with respect. Because who doesn't know this? Thirdly. Why do you have a topic? God is smarter than we are. We all know this. This is going to be, I don't think I need to come to church on Sunday because that's a statement that is as true as the sun is shining out there. God is smarter than I am. That's why, what I know. Do you? You see, you and I know that statement by heart, and we may say that's true, but do we really believe it? Because the moment when you start to believe this, then something actually needs to change if you believe that statement, and let me explain. So I'm going to use two short passages that I found in the New Testament. I could have used countless of passages to preach this sermon from, but I chose to use two prayers that the Lord himself prayed, and I'm going to use this then as a basis. When he reached the place, he said to them, pray that you may not come into a time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throws uh, and he knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. From the Gospel of Luke. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as, we have, we have forgive, as you have forgiven us, as we forgive our debtors. The Lord prayed both of, these, um, uh, both of his, these prayers. The Lord's prayer he also prayed. So what do we learn from this if I tell you God is smarter than we are? By saying, God, let your will be done. I'm now recognizing that God is smarter than I am, but that means something that I need to trust this God that I say is smarter than I am. The problem with me, and I think with a lot of us, is that we many times want God to help me build my life. If I listen to my prayer, Lord, please bless me today. Please be with me today. Please be with my family today. Please help me with my work. Please keep me safe on the road. And all of these things that I'm asking are good things to ask. But most of my prayer list has to do with the fact that I'm living my life and I want God to come alongside me and 
me and help me to get to the destination that I think I should get to in life. Uh, with respect, it's a little bit like I, I'm driving my car and in the back I have, in the old days, you had a spare tire or a spare wheel. So why do I have a spare wheel? I have a spare wheel when there's a flat and at least I can change out the flat and I can continue on my journey to my destination. Lord, I am on my way, and will you please be with respect the spare tire, the spare wheel in the back. I'm hanging on to the steering wheel. I'm in control. I'm doing my thing. But you need to be there that if things go wrong, you need to, can, you, you need to help me to get through this. In many ways, that's how, what we do with respect to God. We bring him alongside us, but then we sort of keep him there. While I believe that I'm in control with many of these things. The problem is also that I have my destination in mind, where I would like to get to with my life, and all of these things are good. I want to have a successful financial life. I want to have, be successful with my health. I want to be successful in my relationships, and I want to be successful in my work, and I want to be a successful guy in the, in the neighborhood to my neighbors. Fantastic things. It's all good. But sometimes that, those destinations won't work work out as well as I think it should. The Lord is praying the prayer rise, looking at the destination that is not really the best for him personally at that point. The Lord knew when he came to this world that his life was going to be compromised and it's going to be difficult, and now is the evening before his crucifixion. And the living Lord is on his knees asking his father to take this cup away from him because he knew what was lying ahead of him was going to be, in human terms, extremely difficult. And he knew his dad had a different destination for him than he at that point as a human wanted to have. His destination would have been just, let this just pass, and let me go home with my disciples and maybe I can teach for another three years. Let this pass, but let your will be done, is what the Lord prayed when he spoke to his dad. And I've realized maybe this is the prayer that I need to pray more in my life, is to say, Lord, I have all of these plans. That is my destination. But Lord, if there's a different destination that you have in mind for me, it's also okay. Knowing that the different destination that Lord has in mind for me may be a painful one, it may be a difficult one, it may be a very hard one, not the one that I prefer, but the one that will eventually serve the kingdom of God way, way better than only my own story. And therefore, when things take, take a turn to the side, or there's a detour, or the roadblock, not to freak out completely, as Doug preached a few weeks ago, not to freak out completely because I think there's now this crisis, but to assume that God's got it. He really has got it. But in both of these prayers that the Lord prays, he says, my Father in heaven, when he talks about his life and his destiny, you see, we are not working for God. I'm not an employee of God, and He's the employer. When I sign up to be a part of God's kingdom, I didn't sign up like I'm going to work now at Amazon or I'm going to work at some kind of big business, and I'm part of all these million people packing boxes and doing what the big guy wants me to do with respect. What the Bible teaches me when I sign up to be a part of God's kingdom, like all of us did, I actually said I want to be a part of a family. I want to be a part of God's children, 
and what God wants to accomplish with his family. And therefore, when the Lord says, my father, and he, in both of these prayers, he says, my dad, he says, but we are actually talking to a father that cares more for us than any parent could ever call, care for you. Sadly, I've had a number of people in my life sit in my office, and they have a, they have a difficult relationship with God because they had a difficult relationship with their parents. Because we sort of associate God with our parents. You know, if you had a terrible dad, you're going to struggle to understand that God is a good dad. But today I really want to convince you and remind you that the best parent ever that you could imagine is the father that we have in heaven. And why will he purposefully make us go through very difficult things just for the fun of it? Every single thing that happens to the children of God is because God is on His way with His children to a destination that will serve His kingdom. God is smarter than I am, and He asked me to pray, let your will be done. For His will to be done in my life, I need to think about the value of God in my life, and if I really trust Him. Honestly do. Second thing. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord prays in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Think about heaven for a moment. Heaven is not really a place. You know, uh, heaven is a, is a person. It's to be in the presence of God because you can't put God in a place. He's too big. But heaven is to be in the presence of God. And I always ask myself, I wonder what heaven is like. The book of Revelation shares with us a, a number of things in Revelation chapter 20 and 21 and 22. Um, and it's gold streets, and that's just imagery to tell us it's going to be great. But what you find in heaven is God, in His fullness. And what you find in heaven, songs and praise and joy and peace and order. Let your will be done here as it is in heaven. What do you find in heaven? Joy, peace, order, and people having a blast. God wants His people to have a blast. He wants us to Taste heaven. Experience something of heaven. But this means that His will needs to be done on earth as it is there. And His will, I don't think we really understand the will of God. God willed the earth. He said, let there be light and all of these things, but it came from His will. Because God is God, and, and I don't think we really understand how strong God's will is, because if you want something, He just wills it, and it's there. He says, my will is for you to be saved. My will for you is to be my child. My will for you is to be a part of my kingdom plan. That's God's will for us. But then He steps back with respect and says, you can decide if you want to be a part of my will. That's the gift that has been given to us, that we can say no to God's will. Nothing else can. God wills the sun to die now, and the sun will die. Well, they can turn it off. Tips, and it's gone. But for us, different. Let your will be done. Because he's smarter than I am. It means that I actually need to find out what his will is for me, and then start to do it on earth. Let your will be done is in the passive sort of. It's sort of said weird in the in the in the prayer. So somebody once said to me, I like the Lord's Prayer. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So my wife needs to get his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, my kids need to get his will done. I don't need to. I need, somebody else needs to do this. I said, oh, you do not understand the Greek. 
it means that you need to do it almost twice. You need to do it. So there's an active involvement in me seeking God's will, and I have Hebrews chapter 10 there because I've been reading through the book of Hebrews now personally. It's part of my Bible reading program for the last five months. I've been reading chapter 10 like for a week, over and over again. I'm not yet tired of it, but I'm now done. I'm now in James. That's the next book. But, but read it over and over again because I, when I read, read Hebrews chapter 10, I realized now, the writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews talks about life and about relationships, about politics, about everything that's going on in this world. And if you just follow what he says here, you will taste heaven. Figure it out. It's there. Go and read the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the book of Psalms. The guidance is there for us to know what God's will is and to apply it that you and I can taste some of heaven. Lastly, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You carry a baby into a house. Everything changes. You leave the hospital with that newborn, and you walk into your house, I promise you, sleep, bye-bye. The time when you want to eat, that's also gone. The time when you think you can do your laundry, not that way anymore. Your life suddenly is now very different. Very different. I also had a picture of a puppy. If you bring a dog home, suddenly you know there's some changes in your life because, oh, the little doggy. I wonder how much of my life have changed when I asked God to come and live with me in my house. Or is he still in the backyard? Or in the driveway? Has anything changed in my life because God is now living with us or with me. So let your kingdom come means that I actually allow God to come into my world and that actually he becomes then the God that he needs to be. There's, and it's a commitment. There's, there's the story, and I'm almost done. There's the story of this guy who wanted a Valentine's card, so he went to a card store. He said, I want a card for, my, for the girl that I love desperately. And he said, okay, the bestseller is this card that says, you are the only girl I ever loved. And I said, that's excellent. That's what I want. Give me six. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he has a problem with commitment. You know, so. so my commitment, because in this world I will be distracted to allow God to let his kingdom come in my life. So when I leave this building and I turn on the news, or I read the newspaper, or I listen to the people around me, and I say to myself, God is smaller than I am, what do I allow the world to do to me? You see, this is the problem. I need to fight myself also a little bit, because... I can easily get depressed and down and concerned and anxious and wake up in cold sweat because of what I saw on the news and what I think is going on around me and with my own life. But at some point, do I really believe that God is God and I am not? So I started off by saying, you know, I always wanted my driver's license to be in control. But when I prepared this sermon, I realized at the end, but it actually means that I'm not in control. I need to... It's like getting into a bus, and there's a bus driver. When I was in Israel in March, it's actually the first time I went on a tour. The reason I've always done our own thing. First time almost in my life, I, everything was pl planned out. Strange. 
We get out of the airport and there's a bus and we get in the bus and there's a guy and he knows where to go and I can sit at the back and I just relax and look out the window. Normally I'm like this, you know, and I need to try to miss all the guys on the road in this country where I can't even read the signs. That's how I live my life. Trying to be in control and trying to read signs I don't understand. As a child of God, I'm in the bus. I can look out the window and relax a bit and breathe because God is in control of this bus that's called his kingdom, that I'm a part of. A time like this, I've never seen so many people stressed out. <laughs> I've never seen so many people depressed. I've never seen so, people, so many people anxious about our future and what's going to happen with us. And I just smile and I say, I don't know and I don't care because God's got it. The destination may not be as great as I think it's going to be, but it'll still be okay because God's kingdom will be served. God's kingdom will be served at the end. And that's what I'm a citizen of, the kingdom of God. And I end with the words that John Piper said. Now I need to go there. I can't read there. And it's too small there for my eyes. So John Piper said... The king, and he's a writer and a theologian, he said, the king has come, the king has dealt with sin once for all in the sacrifice of himself. The king sits at the father's right hand and reigns now until his enemies are under his feet. The king's righteousness is now already ours by faith. The king's spirit is now already dwelling in us. The king's holiness is now already being produced in us. The king's joy and peace have now already been given to us. Can you move it on? My clicker is there and I'm here. I'm separated from my... Ah, you see, I've got help. The king's victory over Satan is now already ours as we use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The king's power to witness is now already available to us and the king's gifts, the gifts of his Spirit, already available for ministry. Let us go on as a church to seek the kingdom of God first, to discover all we have yet to discover all we yet should be for, the salvation of the lost sinners and the glory of the King Jesus. A long statement that says one thing. God's got it. God is smaller than you are. I know you know this statement. Go out as someone who believes this. Amen.